Scripture reading, the first scripture reading this morning is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Second reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 11 to 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. No. Yes. Oh, good. So I laid my offerings on the altar table there. That's my water and my cough drop. In case this is the third week in a row during worship, the students can tell you that I have a coughing fit, but we're hoping not. So um, I don't normally add extra things to the altar. (laughs) Thanks so much for having us. It's great to be here. When my friend Kirsten was two years old, And her father said her mother would be coming home soon from the hospital with her new baby sister. Kirsten fiercely proclaimed, I do not want a baby sister. I want a hoppity hop. Having your worldview radically altered can be scary, unsettling. It can sound even sometimes like bad news instead of good news. In other words, what do you mean there are other sheep, Jesus? It's interesting to me how threatening this can be to some folks, to some Christians. I have no idea, really, what this means in specifics. It could mean, in the context in which Jesus said it, that he would bring sheep together from many folds, not just the Jewish people. It could mean in our world that there are sheep who aren't part of the church. Maybe there are sheep who aren't part of any religion. Who knows? The point is, we are not all of it. We aren't it. We aren't all of it. The point is, Jesus is the shepherd, not us. We 
are mere sheep in need of constant tending and protection and feeding. We don't have to know who else is in or to go and try to round them up for Jesus. We just have to know who our shepherd is and to trust that he knows what he's doing. It's been my experience that we Christian sheep find these other sheep Jesus mentions to be a bit troubling or at the very least inconvenient. Too often I'm afraid I see us as desperate to keep the rank we think we have and deserve. I see us sometimes as jealous and frustrated at being a little out of the loop. What do you mean Jesus has other sheep? Who said he could expand the flock? Why is the church special? How are we his body if we aren't the only ones? Jesus repeatedly tells his disciples that they can and will encounter him in the people they meet, in the sheep they either feed and clothe and visit in prison or don't. Why is this such a hard sell? I think we're okay with other sheep, mostly, when they are sheep who come to our flock and then take part in the flock activities that we have specifically invited them to join. But what about those who don't? The sheep out there who don't accept the invitations we extend. The sheep who never hear those invitations. Or they maybe hear them, but they don't think that they're intended for them. What about the sheep who seem somehow like threats to those of us in here, in this part of the flock? There is deep comfort and deep discomfort woven throughout this scripture passage. Jesus the Good Shepherd is one of the most popular and comforting metaphors that we have. Jesus the one who knows each of our fleecy selves and whose voice we recognize when he calls us to him, just like the video that Ali showed before. Jesus the one is the one who protects us and guides us and keeps us fed and safe. Psalm 23, which we also heard read and is often read at funerals, evokes this image for us to hold onto and find comfort in during our most vulnerable moments, coping with grief and loss especially. The good shepherd will see us through and tend us when the skies darken and the way is unclear and the predators are on the prowl. But right alongside the abiding comfort of these images, Jesus confronts us with those other sheep. Why do we have to share? As I was spending time with this scripture, I googled the phrase, other sheep. I was hoping to find a sermon or a blog post or some kind of thoughtful article to help me consider the implications of the other sheep. But the first gazillion things that came up on that search were all some variation of who are the other sheep. As if in finding the answer to that question, it might settle things for us once and for all. These are the other sheep, and those are just not even sheep in this picture. The problem is, Jesus says there's one flock. He never says anything about who or how many other sheep are out there. He's direct and upfront about it while also refusing to clear it up once and for all. So we're left with this. There is one flock. We're not in an us and them situation. The way Jesus tells it, it's all us, just sheep. 
It's a bad habit we have to get so stuck in seeing things one way that we trick ourselves into thinking that is the way. We in the church have developed some bad habits over the years, and it takes intentional and prolonged and group sheep effort to change those habits. In our culture, even when we have readily admitted the existence of other sheep and enthusiastically gone out to meet them, our mission model was in the past especially flawed. We, the civilized Western Christian sheep, went out in search of barbaric or primitive or otherwise somehow exotic seeming stranger sheep to wrangle into our fold. We weren't in those times generally looking for brothers and sisters, but for conquests. We certainly weren't thinking that these mission fields we went out to might already be the grazing pastures of God's other sheep, people God already knew and loved and valued as much as we are known and loved and valued. And a lot has changed in the field of Christian mission and some of those distorted theologies that we once embraced as a church. At Wesley, and I'm sure here for you all, when we go on mission trips, we, some, we remind ourselves that we're not going to bring God to anyone, a particular pet peeve of mine, but rather to go and see what God is already doing in the community and with the people that we are going to meet and whom we don't yet know. But the residue of those earlier times and theologies is sometimes still with us. We see it in our largely still segregated churches, which demonstrate how much more fiercely we hang on to our cultural ideas of belonging and identity than we do to our identity as children of God. It showed up right outside your church this week and around downtown and all around the park on posters proclaiming in a variety of nasty and hateful ways that it's okay to be white. Proclaiming that black lives matter does not mean no other lives matter. It means we're all God's sheep. We are brothers and sisters on equal and beloved footing with our Lord. It means we are one flock and we want to act like it. Jesus does not say he's leaving us for other sheep. He doesn't say there are only a certain number of spots for varsity sheep this season. He says we're all one flock and that he is in charge. Why then do we opt for discomfort in the midst of such a comforting pronouncement? Why do we look for the living among the dead? Us and them, in and out, good and bad, Christian and other, these things are killing us. The flock is in danger, and it's not because of those other sheep. It's not because of wolves, and it's not the millennials. <laughs> it's us. We insist on dividing up what Christ unites. We persist in holding our own ideas and worldviews above the call and command of God. We step out of sheeply line, thinking we know how to be better shepherds than the good shepherd. What if, instead, we trust the truth of this scripture and choose to receive it as good news? What if we stop thinking of those other sheep, us and them, and choose only we? 
What if we choose to look with curiosity and love at everyone we encounter, realizing each one of us, each one is one of us, a sheep, same flock, same shepherd. There are no hoppy hops on the horizon here. There are only brothers and sisters, whether you have met them yet or not, whether they look and sound like you or not, revel in your sheepness and actively, lovingly seek it out in others, especially those you don't understand and can't imagine sharing a pen with. Because the truth is, it's not optional. Thanks be to God.